This year is shaping up to be historic for Black Rifle Coffee Company. If you haven't been to the website in a while, be sure to check it out and see what you're missing. Black Rifle is dedicated to bringing you the best premium coffees from around the world and the highest quality apparel tailor made for the veteran community. This year will be packed with collaborations with other veteran brands and artists through the Shirt Club. So check it out if you want to support veteran businesses and get some killer shirts. Your support makes it possible for BRCC to keep broadening its mission to support veterans through quality coffee and culture. So download the BRCC app now so you never miss a thing. Mike Glover, what have you been up to, man? Um, just got my ass beat by Greg Anderson. And, oh, really? Um, Greg Lappin. Ex- explain to the audience who is Greg Greg Anderson. Because um, I've had him on the podcast before. You guys can go back and reference whatever number that is. But Greg Anderson's kind of a badass. His ears look like chewed bubble gum. That's always... So you know. That's always who you should be picking a fight with. In the yeah. That's, that's the sign... Punch that dude in the face. I I in, in the shower sometimes I crumple my ears mm-hmm. trying to get him like that. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't work. And um, he's the he's the Seattle cop. Yeah, who did a viral video talking about um, at the time they were Seattle was going after um, these women who had a small business who were doing nails out of their house, mm-hmm. and it went against the initial COVID lockdowns. Right, and they were raiding them. And so he did a viral video, was super pumped. Um, Sorry, guys. I need to focus on you a little better. It's soft. Very soft. Well, you're just, he's just naturally soft. Look, you look, your skin looks great. My skin does look great. Like, considering how old I am. You've you aged know. a decade in the last six months. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. I just mean in, in wisdom. Yeah. Well, you're probably, learning so much. Probably in heart health. Probably heart health. <laughs> my my heart health is aged. Arterial aging. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 how you feel on the inside, not how you look on the outside. That's right. So you look handsome and you feel like dog shit. Yeah, I think that. So so Greg, <laughs> so Greg is like he and he was a SeaTac. I think he was a SeaTac guy. I think he, I don't think he was Seattle. I think he was a SeaTac guy. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Port Authority. He was yeah, Seattle, Port, Port Authority, Authority, which is a state asset. I just be, just for accuracy. I'm not saying yeah. any difference. I just Got know you that a good like, memory there. Like the uh, well, I have a bunch of buddies that are in the Seattle Police Department. And if you so. said that, they'd be like, "Oh, he was an SPD." Yeah, they would just correct the record. They, I don't think they would care. They'd just yeah. be like, "Yeah, no, he was an SPD guy." Not, I mean, What's mainly. Di- what would be the difference? Jurisdiction, uniform. Oh, yeah, yeah, and department. Uh, individuals yeah. pay structure i, I mean yeah. there's probably like a litany of things that are different hmm. i mean i i don't politically know. anything i don't know i i know just from what i've heard that seattle just in general they they don't really do they they can't do any policing yeah they just say hey if you want to live um in the park live in the park you know if you want to walk around naked holding a tennis racket with a needle in your arm like that's mm. fine like that's your thing you know if you're going to do yeah. that like that's your thing the the chief i i think i'm getting this right if if i am Please. clear about in the comments but the chief of police resigned and she was a she was an african american woman mm-hmm. and yeah over the whole chaz thing right well yeah she well she was actually pushing like we need to do our job right and the mayor of seattle and the governor were like 
No, no, no. You don't need to do your job. No, I think it's so interesting because it's interesting that people hire, fund, and then direct their police departments to to enforce laws that ultimately their states their states sign, mm-hmm. and then the police take it on the chin for enforcing those laws. I think it's a little bit insane. Yeah, the um, mayor wrote an email to the chief and to her off to, to the officers and said, when it comes to Chaz, do not enforce the laws unless it's a mass casualty. Right. There, I mean, there's a literal, it's, it's verbatim basically what she said. And verbatim, then, basically. Basically. A verbatim paraphrase. Paraphrasing verbatim. <laughs> um, but I started American Contingency because that whole drama. Anyways, yeah. Greg Anderson met, met him because of all that, what was going on. And then um, he's... Him and Greg Lappin are running. They're you know like to start a jujitsu academy. If you want to be legit, you have to use a lineage mm-hmm. and an association with the international BJJ association, right? Kind of stuff. And so, and I'm not educated on it, obviously, but I I have the experts who are. And so, it's checkmat is the lineage, and we're using that for Philcraft Jujitsu which will hopefully be down the road from here. So you can come in and get your dojo on. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely be into that. Yeah, cardio kickboxing right if you want to. Yeah. Have that. Or do cardio kickboxing or, you know, what do they call uh, functional fitness? You, you know, that, that's functional what, fitness. That's like, that's like, that's, that's what they did when they said, well, we, we don't really want to call it CrossFit. We'll call it functional fitness. Functional fitness. I'm like, how is a thousand burpees functional in it's anybody not at all. or like deadlift for time. No offense to anybody that's out there that does it. Like, it's hey, whatever not. you do, whatever you're into, that's your thing. I mean, I'm a CrossFit instructor, running, kettlebell, lifting. Like, I did the whole thing, but that you're was early CrossFit. on. Are you a level one guy? Yeah, I was early on though. I was yeah, like, same. Like Way the CrossFit early. running thing. Before I got injured from um, CrossFit. I, th- I thought it was, I went, I went to their seminar a few times. Or some, I went to a few of their seminars. Was it Mount CrossFit, like endurance CrossFit Mountain? Yeah, something? yeah. We used yeah, to do that. Yeah, endurance CrossFit like Mountain Athlete or something. Whatever it was, yeah, it was cool. It was all right. I mean, the the guy that was running it, I don't think he'd ever finished an ultra, and that's what. Did know, you judge to, him because of that? You seemed kind of judgy when you said that. Yeah, because I used to tell people, I was like, yeah, I went to this this uh, program, and they're like, oh, you mean taught by the guy that's never finished an ultra? Good Ooh. idea. That they get spicy. Like yeah. they, they get spicy. Whereas like, I don't really care, man. Like you're going to teach me how to run more effectively. You're going to teach me how to be a better runner. Awesome. Like yeah. I'll, I'll listen to you. I don't care if you've finished Leadville. Okay, cool. Yeah. And there's plenty of guys I think that out that are out there doing really bad form. They just do it. I, you know, I don't think Cam Haynes is hitting a bunch of form seminars up, like trying to figure out a better ultra stride. I don't know. It could be wrong, but I also know that like I, I don't think there's a lot of form coaches out in Kenya teaching dudes how to run either. I could be wrong. No, I don't think so though. Just doing it. I, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm pulling that out of my ass essentially mm-hmm. because I'm thinking it feels like it. It does a little bit. Maybe, maybe they have a bunch of form coaches out in Kenya for the fucking mountains teaching dudes how to run. Are you? I a don't runner? know. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, are I, you still I ran running? like I ran like three miles this morning. Yeah. Oh. I didn't know this. 
I mean, I don't check in with you when I fucking run, but yeah, I, yeah. I run, uh, I, I would say it depends on the week and it depends on what injury I got going on. Yeah. Cause I, I constantly have like these nagging injuries that just never go away. Like, Same. like, Chronic. uh, just knee Achilles, which Achilles is it this week? I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. Uh, my wife's a runner. She did, um, she's done a couple ultras. She's won a couple marathons. She's, I think she paced, uh, at least a year or a couple, couple guys on the Leadville. So it's a back tough in run. the day. Yeah. So I like it. I really enjoy running. It's mm. one of my favorite things that I, I, I just enjoy doing for fitness. The problem is, is that I'm always injured mm. because from running or from other No, shows? just. The other day, it was like a month or so ago, uh, maybe a little bit over a month ago, I was I had two parachutes in my arms. I was getting ready to take red eye down to Florida because I don't know if you heard about this, but the seven jumps, seven days, seven continents. Mm -hmm. Those and guys six days, but they did it in jumps. six. Yeah, the, yeah. They um they were gonna do this fun jump in Tampa. I was mm -hmm. gonna take the red eye out, meet them down in Tampa. So I had three parachutes in my arms walking out of the back steps of the office. It was midnight. I was getting ready to take that, that red eye and I slipped off the back stairs and on like, ice. Oh fuck. Yeah. Like, and just completely, I, my ankle was not in good shape after that. So yeah. I was walking around with a limp, you yeah. know, uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's just like, it's like running or, or, just squats, living. Just, just like living, just walking around, I, trying to get in shape or trying to stay in shape. Yeah. I always just have like use injury, mm. tendonitis issues constantly. Mm. So who knows? I don't know, man. Maybe I need to like, you know, the, all the rage is, you know, getting in every everybody's like um, their ice bath. You know, like which is pretty that funny is because rage. Everybody's doing that. Everybody's doing it, but it's it's also something that we've been doing for. Forever. For years. So yes. I think it's like when Rogan does something, it takes a while for everybody to catch up and monetize it and then get yeah. very specific into how are we going to not only monetize this, but how are we going to build an entire information stream about <laughs> cold plunging? So it's like There's books, five years ago. Yeah. Equipment, yeah, products. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it is huge. Mm -hmm. During COVID, I had that I had a horse trough, and I would just fill it up with ice. That's what we nobody... use at our resilience rendezvous courses. We're not. It's a trough, like it's ice. It's it's cold water. It's cold water. Yeah, it's just cold water. I I got an old freezer, and I took everything out of it, plugged it, and I filled that with water as well. Edwin, yes, Edwin that Parnell scares the shit it. out of me though. Why? There are some versions. There's like tricks where guys are doing that. They're taking the freezers and then converting it into yeah. a. Like, I don't want to get electrocuted. You Unplug know about the, like, it, dude. The Afghan Unplug stories. Unplug it. There's a dude in third group who died from just taking a shower. That's not, that's, that's because. One of those pan showers. Listen. That's I don't want to die. That's because they were outsourcing their electric, electrician work to dudes that had no business. Like, oh, they're like, experts. Those they're, Afghans they're are not, experts. They were not yeah. at all. I had, we had a guy in Kabul, his name was mumbles he had functionally retarded himself yeah by getting shocked so many times and that so he, he couldn't really talk yeah his name was mumbles that's not his real name though i can't remember his real name but yeah he was the 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 camp electrician yeah 
was just shuffling around fixing things. Oof. And it was not, it's not something that, that we, we shouldn't have been giving him a lot of authority to fix the electrical work on camp. Oh, there's no test. They don't have test equipment. They just do it by trial they and error. They do. It's called their tongue. They're yeah. like licking the wire and like, yeah. I've seen that. that. Like, yeah. See, it's like, like, oh. If it sparks up, which by the way is a method because I've seen my dad fix shit like that as well. I've seen my dad fixed up by just figuring out if it sparks. Up. I don't. I don't mess with electricity, dude. That's that's the one thing. I just don't like. Like you tell me to get in a tub or a fridge that's plugged in the wall. Not happening. You, are you do Do you have a fear of? Electric? I do. You do. I, I grew up with a. So I grew up super poor, and my tr- the trailers that I grew up in. I I remember distinctly as a kid getting shocked and electrocuted as a kid, by just janky ass. Like going to plug in a fan, mm-hmm. and because it was janky, oh, yeah, yeah. whether the fan or the, yeah. the the socket was janky, and it's like, Psh! and then and then filling that surge electricity, I just don't like it. Man. You don't it's, like getting shocked, bro. If, if somebody huh. if somebody like wanted to torture me and get information, as soon as they pulled out anything electricity wise, I'm out. Like you bamboo shoots under my nails, I'm good. You're good with that. Yeah, anything besides electricity. Interesting. Yeah. Waterboarding, you waterboard me. I've, yeah. They've done that to me already. Yeah, waterboarding is like, eh, you feel like you're drowning. That's yeah, it sucks. It's, it's okay. Yeah, I'll just hold my breath, pass out, make myself pass out. Yeah, pass out, do it again. Like, yeah. it's fine. So your preferred method of torture is waterboarding. Is that what you're saying? If I had to torture myself, yeah, yeah. I would waterboard myself. Yeah. 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 What yeah, about I, you? <clears throat> if you? If you, if you wanted to torture yourself... Because that's the only option you had. Right. So they got the guys came in and they're like, "Look, we're going to torture you." Yeah. What's what is your option? A, a six hour uh, emotional connectivity conversation with my wife. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> you know, a good one. Like where my wife is like, I think we need to talk we about a relationship. <laughs> and you're like, I'd oh, be like, oh fuck. Okay, you're going to lock yourself in this room and you're going to talk about me. your emotions. You know, kill me. You know, and then it's like, and you're looking up all the the uh, the psychological whatever issues that you you might or might not have on the online. Mm. So you, it's all speculative, right? It's like, mm. oh, you know what I think you have? I think you have this. Mm. It's like I have lots of things, especially when the wife's like, telling you that, not a psych. No, the wife no, no, is saying no, that. No, yeah, yeah. She yeah. Googles something and she's like, exactly. This is what this motherfucker has. Yeah. That's what she's always like coming in. You know, yeah. like, You know what I? I think I found out what's wrong with you. I'm like. Why are you constantly looking into what's wrong with me, man? Like, see, you're a narcissist, and they go down the list. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's not that doesn't apply to me. She's like, oh, this doesn't apply. Well, to me. yeah, or pulling certain things out and then plugging other ones yeah. in as a substitute, or like, I read this on Reddit. You should really look into this. I'm yeah, like, because Reddit's a really good spot to find uh, good information, solid information. I can't, dude. Reddit is a weird one for me. People send me shit from Reddit all the time. I don't even have that shit on my phone. It is the biggest troll place. That's that's like it, it, it's, it's a professional troll. It's a that's place. all it is, right? It's, it's like a troll four, it's like 4chan, Reddit, and then it goes like 4chan, Reddit, Twitter, and then it goes into the other social media platforms, right? So Yeah. Like if you want to figure out like how this how things kind of generate inertia, it's like that's where they that's where they come from. And it's interesting because People, people have pinged me over the last couple of weeks is like, you know, all the shit that's like 
circling around about some fucking lawsuit that came up like several years ago. I think we talked about it. Wait, that so that's not even so somebody somebody hit me up about it because somebody course. threw out my name. It's like, yeah. oh, oh, that's a oh my god! Oh, make sure you go after Mike Glover too. I'm yeah, like, yeah. for what? Yeah, and then and then uh, so that that whole deal, um, that's not even th- this didn't happen recently. No, this is five years thing. ago. That's the that's the crazy thing. Like all these internet sleuths, right? Like, it surged like it, it happened yet like, last week. Yeah, it was like it's five years ago. Uh, you know. I, I, I termed an employee for, you know, a combination of issues. He lawyered up because I didn't give him severance. And uh, he came back after the company with some fucking ambulance chaser attorney, forget her name. And, you know, she's just like in a, in a claim, you can just write all kinds of like crazy yeah. shit as much as you want. And you can turn, arguably, you can turn things that I say into fucking inappropriate verbiage. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like you can turn anybody's statements into like egregious, weird statements. Yeah. And you can turn things I've said on this podcast into bullshit. So like all she did was just write up this big fictional bullshit claim, came after us. We ended up just working it out. I just gave the dude severance and fucking we shook hands. Weren't you guys like talking after that? No, we've been friends, dude. That's the thing is like we're friends. We like I literally was like, did something with a coffee or die with him like months ago. I was like, this stuff's old news. This is like, it's like two friends that were mad at each other. And used a lawyer. And he used an attorney. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like my attorney was kind of a dork too, right? He was giving me bad. Like attorneys have an incentive to keep the tab running. Yeah. They don't really have an incentive for somebody to cooperate and work it out. If they want to burn up a bunch of hours, that's that's the carrot, right? That's, yeah. that's what they want. Yeah. So it's like years ago, you know, everybody's like, oh, my God, I found out uh, the real truth. You mean the truth that he and I are buddies? We buried the hatchet years ago, so that, and this the, was just a bunch of bullshit. The thing Herrera did, Brandon Herrera. Yeah, I love that That was dude. funny. Yeah, because, because so he knows me. that was about me. this. That yeah, was the he old knows thing. me. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Anybody that knows me knows that I say, like, all kinds of fucking horrible well, shit dude, that's all like the time. The whole, that, that whole deal was like, mild in comparison to how we roll. <laughs> I mean, just well, they, normal conversation. Yeah, because you talk to your friends in a very specific way. Like, this was years ago, right? Yeah. This was like... When you're in a garage. Dude, I was in a garage. There's less than 10 people here, and it was all former soft guys. I literally had not made the transition out of the team room into the professional workplace. Yeah. And so you were treating everybody very similar in the way that you communicate. And... You know, I don't make excuses. I don't give a fuck, to be honest with you. It's mm. like, I am who I am. Like, you don't have to search too hard to figure out, oh, I use the F word and I say a bunch of stupid things. Like, because that's being a human in the human experience. Yeah. Like, nobody's perfect. Mm. And when you think that you're going to transition out of the team room straight into the corporate environment and you think that, you know, I was sitting around here my first couple of years like, oh, I'm going to have a publicly traded company. And like, no, I wasn't. I didn't have any money. We didn't. We were like backed by big finance or like Silicon Valley. It was like a bunch of dudes grinding it out in a garage trying to make it happen. Grinding it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to lure it. You don't have to look too hard, man, to figure out like, oh, go back to some of our episodes on Drinking Bros. We're like, we were we were pushing it pretty hard. And uh, just watch range 15 for Christ's sake, like figure it out. It's like, wake up. You like, like 
just because people don't understand me or they don't understand my brand or they don't understand who we are doesn't mean that that we care at the end of the day. It's like still growing, still there. Just same weekend that that, that thing went off is like opened up a coffee shop in Virginia Beach and in Kalispell, Montana, like crushed it. Yeah. I had and, 300 people at my preparedness seminar in BRCC yeah. Kalispell. We had 100, like, and 100 at the last one in Dallas. And it's like uh, – you know, I see that, and those dudes look like idiots because they post all this stuff up, and they're trying to hurt a veteran-owned company, a soft veteran-owned company and that's employing a lot of good, amazing people. And then when you look at the comments, most of the people are like, what's the issue here? Yeah. Like, or, ha-ha, that's funny. And then the comments that are bad are like, well, he should apologize yeah. because that's really offensive. And it's like... Yeah, but he's not apologizing to, like, what is he apologizing for? Like, it's dudes shooting the shit with each other, and the shit I've said, I don't understand. But, it, but it's it's just a claim, like, yeah. like half the shit I didn't even say in there. Yeah, he's he's he, in that complaint, the same complaint. He's like complaining about, yeah, like Scott Bollinger, our chief of staff, took him to a strip club. Like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. We're, we we had our, our office was like a block and a half from the strip club. We but were at the you, strip club. Twice a week, yeah, because there's a block and a half had away. Great drinks, good people, yeah, and a bunch of heterosexual dudes watching titties flop around is still a pretty good time. That's last debatable. Time I checked. What you just said, yeah, it's, like, it's just so it's so ridiculous. It's like it's like, uh, you, but you, you did know say what you it wanted is? to butt fuck him. Did, is that did you say that? No, I like because you've told me that multiple before. times. Yeah, yeah like exactly. every morning. You like I'm me. sure there were things that I'd said similar to that, but yeah. like the direct context, I don't fucking know, man. Like, like that's the point. It's like, like it's who, a, it's the whole who fucking cares. Like at the end of the day, like I don't care, you don't care, nobody cares. And oh, by the way, like Larry David can say ten times worse on curb your enthusiasm, or you know you you're gonna get crucified for anything and everything you say by everybody. Any any day of the week. So it's like the freedom of just being able to go, I don't care. Okay, I don't care. I love how all those dudes and all their videos are sponsored by coffee. Yeah, they're all sponsored by competitors that honestly couldn't hold a fucking jock to me either way. So it doesn't really matter. That isn't that bizarre though? No, it's not because that's all they're trying to do is they're they're just trying to go after a certain market segment. But I didn't realize the coffee industry was so like no, it's vile that way. It it is. It's 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 like you have you have a very myopic view of how business works, and they think that they have to take something from someone else, but they don't understand is that there's hundreds of millions of people in the United States. Those people are across platforms, across you know multiple different generations. The market continues to grow from all kinds of different products. It's not it, it's not a capped market with a finite amount of people. It's a it's a continuously growing micro economy. And the thing that irritates me about most of this is like they're not coffee people. They they're not coffee people. They're just like a they're a marketing apparatus that is trying to capture on on some type of perceived market uh positioning. Yeah. Whereas like I started roasting coffee in 2005 out of because out of just pure curiosity and love. Yeah, it's like yeah, I really like this. I I think I'm gonna 
you know, go down the rabbit hole and find something interesting about something that I'm, I really enjoy. I was just a hobbyist roaster. And my wife had a coffee shop in Denver. Most people don't realize that either. Like, we're coffee people. Yeah. I'm a coffee person. You were grinding coffee beans when I was going through agency stuff, OGA stuff. Yeah. Prior to the range. So it's like, I'm a coffee guy. I'm going to be doing this regardless of whatever 4chan or Twitter or whomever. I actually don't. I, I'm just referencing it because I know people have seen it, but I don't even look at it. So the other piece is, is it doesn't bother me because I don't, I don't even have that shit on my phone. It's like, so it's so small. And it's so small it's comparatively. So, tiny, it's so, like, so it's like I'm still a coffee guy. Like I roast coffee. I literally do pour overs and espresso every day. We just did one. I know. As so we took like, a picture with a family who came from Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. We just took a picture with their kids. It's like yeah. you could be focused on all the nuance of just drama and bullshit that really has no effective impact. In fact, it might even help promote the business. I think people it are does. Like, These guys are idiots. I think it does. And honestly, it separates you from a, a disingenuous and unappreciative audience. It separates you out. And people that are going to be attracted to a very simplistic, I, I would say, limiting view from like a marketing perspective at least like oh well look at us we're 2a and that's the only reason why you should buy your coffee okay that's that's fine i mean there's plenty of 2a coffee roasters out there like there's plenty of 2a coffee roasters out there that you wouldn't even think of and you know just because you know our company is 900 plus employees and i think we've had a certain amount of success then we're going to get obviously a certain amount of heat it i was talking to malcolm gladwell about this where he was talking about the bigger you get, you're always going to have a 10% ratio. 10% of your market, 10% of your audience is always going to not like you. Regardless Malcolm of Gladwell said this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What he, is he getting hate for? Oh, he, oh, he, he, he does gets hate, get a lot of He hate. gets hate for everything, his, bro. He t I heard it once. He said his afro, he let his afro grow out, mm -hmm. and he was getting all this, like, oh, are you trying to cultural appropriate or all this... Uh, what are you trying to be black? And he's like, um, um, I'm actually mixed I, race. Yeah. And it's crazy. Malcolm it's Gladwell. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So no. all these guys, like, I, and I was talking to um, 10%. Huh? Yeah. 10%. He's like, it's about a 10% ratio. Right. And he's a, he, he likes data. So I, I always judge things based on nobody has ever said, I shouldn't say that. One guy said something to me at an airport and I, and I had a full, conversation and debate with him in the airport he what did he walked, say to you oh uh, he he was talking about how i did he didn't like what i had said in the new york times and i was like what was it like, like specifically yeah and i go hey i was misquoted 83 times in that article 83 there are 83 they went back and forth on fact checking that article was a it was disingenuous at the best it was a hit and piece it was a I would say, like, you can you can tee things up for hit. I don't know if it's a full hit, but mm. it was like a part. It was like a soft hit, right? Yeah. And but it had an agenda. It did, yeah. yeah. And and honestly, I don't I don't even know if that's the case. I think it's just when it's written from a person. Because to be fair, the writer uh, Jason has written. You know, he wrote Junior's profile. He wrote Tucker's profile. He wrote oh. ours. So it's like his thing, and. Jason's an interesting guy. Like you can hang out with him and like he's gonna ask a lot of really really interesting questions. Like he's an interesting person, right? I'm not defending him by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I think from 
a certain side of our country, a, a certain population, political segment, guys like us, they're always going to look at, at people like us. Like we, we have to fit a certain mold, right? So like they come with these pre-established um, opinions that are essentially being validated in their echo chambers too. And we're going to do the same thing with somebody from the left side. And we're going to say, okay, well, it, it's kind of like we can draw these stereotypes out and we're just going to assume based on a, a certain information that the stereotype is going to stand on itself and be a hundred percent. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was talking to a guy, I was, I was talking to a guy from Silicon Valley the other day and tech startup guy oh. dressed a certain way. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't Jeff. It was somebody else mm. dressed a certain way, looked a certain way, but hardcore two way guy, hardcore. Really? Yeah. Cause we were just shooting the shit and he was like, um, it was like whole conversation around technology and data and like a bunch of other shit. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I got a little range in my backyard. And I was like, what? You got a range in your backyard? Like, it's just like, there's no fucking way mm -hmm. I would have ever made this assumption. Like, this guy was like a pro-gun guy. There's yeah. no way, right? Yeah. And there's there's this other thing within our our entire nation's conversation is they're trying to really bucket and simplify people. Whereas like, if you're two a, then you have to be this. And yeah. if you're, you know, if you're anti two a, then you have to be this. And if you're this, then you're that. Like, I think humans are way more complex and there should be an expectation that you're going to be a really complex human with a very, with diversified experience and you can have varying opinions mm. that are not necessarily politically affiliated on either spectrum. You can just kind of think about things and then work through your own wisdom and experience to come to a conclusion. And you might differ like you and I would, you and I come from a very similar background. So we're going to be, our opinions are probably going to be really similar on a lot of things because we grew up same era. We fought in the same wars. We have similar backgrounds. Like, it, we, almost, you know, we exactly almost exactly like we, we, you know, I grew up just above the poverty line, you know, a lower middle class family, single parent, you know, went SF, went into the agency, same kind of track. Like you and I are going to probably have a lot of very, very, very similar opinions. And that's based on our, our, the existence in which, you know, we've been living in the last couple decades, but it's like, people don't bother me. Like they, they don't bother me in this context of like, I can go and hang out with my kids and go to birthday parties for other kids and be around people that don't believe the same thing I do politically. Yeah. I know it's crazy. I know it's, it's crazy, right? It's, it's, it's crazy, but it's like, it's just not real life. I'm not going out after like going after people and I don't hate them because they think differently than I do. I just don't. And I'm not going to, which is, and most of those people who talk shit, they don't either. They they do it online. Oh yeah, yeah. But they don't in real life. Like it, it and if they do, they're very lonely in their existence, right? They're limiting their 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 success rate, their capability, the probability of being successful. Like uh, I did a a Ford Lightning thing where I was like going to like I own a preparedness company. I was like it'd be cool to experiment with an electric vehicle, especially a truck. Yeah. And 
it's a Ford. It's made in America. Right. And I got all this hate from these guys. Seriously? Who are, all this, all these two. I don't know if they're. A lot of them were two A guys, but because you had an electric vehicle, or because, because you did something on they an electric thought vehicle. I was pushing a woke agenda. And I said, guys, it's a Ford. It's electric. I tested it and it sucks. So there you go. But if I didn't test it, then I we wouldn't know. So if you have something and we're doing something with alternate viewpoints and and we're not looking at it politically, if that's an issue, then we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Because then you could categorize and politicize everything we do. I pick up it's funny, like I pick up a SIG and I'm like, uh Patriot. Because SIG is made in New Hampshire. It is. And then all these Glock boys are like, you're a, you're a corporate shield. It's like, <laughs> Glock is made in Austria. Like, uh, it's Georgia, an right? pistol, right? It, 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 the, the, the company is, is based out of Austria, but I think they're actually... Yeah, made. they're made here. But uh, yeah. what I mean is, like, no matter what, there's a nuance yeah. that could... Like, the guys are like, oh, it must be nice to do that. It's like, you're texting me from a $1,500... Apple iPhone made yeah, in China. Made in China. Just stop. Uh, arguably from, you know, slave labor circumstances in some in some ways where a lot of the minerals that came into that phone were yeah, cobalt harvested. For sure. Yeah. You know, were, were pulled out of the ground in certain countries where they're absolutely using slave labor. Like but it's it's the hypocrisy. Like people don't have to be right. And or they have to be right. They don't have to be correct, if that mm. makes sense. Right. Yeah, so of course. It, it's it's interesting to see just you know I, I think we've seen this movie so much so often over the last several years. Now I just tune out. I'm actually so much happier as a person because I'm like, oh, you know what? This is like a ridiculous conversation full of a bunch yeah. of fucking stupid. People. I'm out. Like I'm so not going to involve it. Yeah. Yeah. In, I, I was thinking back to. Um, do you remember like? It was probably like six seasons ago. Do you ever watch South Park or did you ever watch South yeah, Park? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They did that whole year where there there was like the 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 troll episodes where they were talking about um the, the it was like a whole build up and I forget, I won't get it right, but that was years ago, man, mm. where they were talking about some of this that's so socially relevant and today mm. it's just sport for people to go on and like be assholes. And I think there's a lot of people that just shows me there's a lot of people that are really unhappy because if Dude, that's how, if that's how depressed. you recreate, if that's how you recreate, yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like I, 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 I'm actively looking for multiple ways I can get off my phone, not spend more time on my phone. Like I have, you know, email and Slack and text and everything else I've I've really tried to make a a change even within our our company behaviors where it's like have meetings, sit down, talk to people face to face, don't VTC, don't don't slack back and forth or whatever it is. It just have meetings, <coughs> and you can convey so much more, so much more in depth material information through this type of communication than via text. Hundred percent. How many times have you gotten an argument with significant other because miscommunication? They, you're busy. Like I don't know how many times this happened to me in the last ten years. Where I'm busy and I'm not avoiding a conversation with my wife. I'm not. I'm not not trying to talk to her. I'm just. I'm, I'm in between things. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. I don't care or whatever. Right. And that and that's exactly what I say. It's like whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. 
why are you mad? I'm like, I- I'm not mad at all. I'm actually, I'm not mad at all. I'm just, I have 30 seconds between this thing and this thing. And mm-hmm. I'm just telling you what I, what I think, whatever. I don't care. And I think that's, that's the, the, the cool thing about what we've seen over the last several years where I think there's a lot of people that are just burnt out. They're exhausted with this. They are, man. They're just exhausted. They're done. Most of my clients, most of our market, which grows every day, is fucking exhausted from all this drama and yeah, bullshit. It's They're drama. done. And and it's crazy is a lot of these people don't realize like they don't realize the impact that they're having on their families and their communities themselves by by thinking and acting that way. Dude, I got an apology. Greg Anderson uh, was with me um and and laughing. I got an apology letter, a handwritten apology letter, six-page apology letter from a kid who he saw he saw it was some like like domestic oh, it was the domestic terrorism thing. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 punchline of that video that was taken was um I support the FBI. I supported the FBI before or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah. It was like it was a sentence. The context was I somebody uh, posted a picture of a FBI agent's um, business card, and they did so on my public forum. Right, and I asked the person Heather at the time who was running my that public forum. I said, "Hey, what do we do here? What's the protocol?" And she goes, "Well, it, it was compromised in a poor way, meaning they were like, look at this guy, this government shield, whatever it is." And I was like, okay, so what do we need to do? He goes, at a minimum, we need to write an email and let that FBI agent know their information was publicly released. We took it down, but they need to know that. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. That was the extent of like me saying, hey, I even notified the FBI over that. We haven't had any drama really in American contingency of people going, I'm going to burn it down. Like, like it's like the January 6th thing, like insurrection. What I've seen insurrections. That's not an insurrection, right? And I see that, I see that, and I go, um, yeah, that's the extent of it. This guy goes, oh, he's a bootlicker. He jumps on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward a year, he sees me on Sean Ryan. I was Sean Ryan's first uh, uh, podcast episode. He's up to 51. Chris Van Zant was just on, which was an excellent episode. But uh, I was number one. He watches it, but he doesn't want to watch it. This, yeah. he, this is the narration he's telling me in the in the letter. His wife's like, why are you being a bitch? <laughs> like, watch the podcast and just see what's up. Like, you're saying that all these guys are making you better and you're all positive and you don't want to watch it because you think he's a fucking bootlicker? Like, just watch it. He watches it, couple-hour episode, walking through my life, things that I've been through, uh, not trying to impress anybody, being real, and he watches it and he's like, man, that was kind of like my upbringing. It was difficult and then you went through adversity and you weren't egotistical. And I'm just sorry, man. Like, I jumped on the bandwagon. I don't know why I did. And now I'm sitting here going, what the fuck am I doing writing a six-page letter to you? And and he did. He wrote a six-page letter. And I appreciate that. And, you know, it's like this whole thing, which is just these nuances where you're at lunch or you're at work or you're with your kids and you get on your phone for a fraction of a second and you're trying to get – you're trying to get some benefit – but you, usually it's dopamine. Mm-hmm. You look at it and you go, yeah, fuck that guy. And you put it back down and you're angry all day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, fuck Mike Glover. Like uh, Greg Lappin, the, one of the professors who's a black belt, got a text from somebody because we did a post together. 
because they're going to uh, represent my uh, my jujitsu studio. And he's like, be careful. Be careful of Glover. He goes, do you know Glover? He goes, no, no, no. But did you know he's a domestic terrorist? Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? No context. No depth. You don't need it. You don't need it. You, you don't, need, you don't need it. And you know what I do? Just like you, I put down the phone and I just, I go to Andy's place, I go to Greg's place, I go to your place, and everything's fine. Everything's, everything's fine. fine in our world. Yeah. Everything's fine. I, and it's not as if, like, you can't pay attention to some of it because some of it's, like, it can be very misleading and harmful, I think, to, to you know, individuals and business. But the big thing that I, I just refuse to participate in is I'm just not going to participate in it in the context of, you know, people people ask, they're like, well, are you going to uh, go after this person or that person or whatever? I'm like, no, man, I, I have attorneys that do that. I don't really give a shit. Like, at the end of the day, I'm like, this is internet drama. This is, like, fictional internet bullshit. And I got bigger fish to fry when it comes to, like, there's big business here. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a ton of people that, you know, you, you invest your time in and that, returns an ROI, a positive ROI on your, mm. your investment. You know, the big thing is, is, especially we have kids. Like, I have kids and a family. Like, it's like, I got a lot of cool shit that I do, man. Like, you know, I took took my kids to the park the other day with, you know, our three dogs. I was, like, throwing the ball with them, and, you know, they're climbing around on, you know, the playground equipment, and we were playing tetherball. And it's like, that's fun. That's, that's, that's real. That's meaningful. Um, so I just plug in on real meaningful stuff and not even worry about the other stuff because it's just like, yeah, whatever. The Medal of Honor is the highest decoration for military valor in action. And you could help Black Rifle Coffee Company make sure the stories of those awarded this rare distinction are never forgotten. For every box of 22-count Medal of Honor coffee pods you buy from Walmart, Black Rifle Coffee Company will donate all the profits to support the construction of the new National Medal of Honor Museum. You can help preserve the legacies of these heroes with Medal of Honor coffee. That's, how'd you, how'd you like Andy's place? The opening? Yeah, I oh, didn't. Go, I didn't get to awesome, go. Man. I went to a weekend before, but yeah, the opening was awesome. There, yeah. there were seventy people in line, something like that, at, at like five o'clock in the morning. Crazy at, in Kalispell. Yeah, at six six below. Yeah. So, you know, people traveling all the way or out from like Minnesota and. You know, flying up from Los Angeles and, and, you know, all kinds of just incredibly cool people that were there. You know, I, I don't know how many people showed up, but there was, it was packed. It was all day long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if not, like, I, I would say there was over a, well over a thousand people there that day. Flooded through. Yeah. And like, it's, it's just so fun to go out and talk to people in person and, you know, shake hands and, you know, I, I've got this new dog, so I adopted this. I adopted a, a TSA bomb dog. So, you did? Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Uh, she's a German short-haired pointer. She's, oh, cool. She's like 70 pounds. Yeah. She's awesome. And uh, so she was cruising around the coffee shop, like stealing snacks off people's tables. and like Hell yeah. Yeah, just being... Bomb sniffing everybody out? Yeah, dude. So Jericho and I drove up. So it's like a nine-hour drive through a snowstorm. We were driving nice. up in the F-150. Not a lightning, but, uh, yeah. you know, in an F-150 in the snowstorm. Yeah. You're, you're good then. It's, you're not I'm woke. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I, 
but it was good because Jericho and I spent, you know, 18 hours in the truck over the course of like four days and just yeah. shooting the shit. And he's super fun to hang out with. He is. He's I love like, hanging out with Jericho. Yeah, he's awesome. He makes me a better person. He, he, I don't know if he makes me a better person, but he definitely entertains me. That's for sure. He's entertaining. <laughs> he's creative as hell, man. He's, he has, he has some cool creative for a ranger. Yeah. It's like yeah. a ranger's like, dude, like left, right, you know, dress, right, dress type shit. But he's got this like, I don't know, through his optic, through his camera. Like he's, I'm following his Instagram where he does these his little. new one? Yeah, it's yeah, cool yeah, seeing yeah, different of pictures day. of dudes. And yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's cool. I hear I his like brother's pretty cool too. His brother and me were teammates together, and um, he put his brother also put me through SUTs. Right. And when when he was a young ranger, I trained with him on Range Thirty Seven. Dude, this eighteen years ago, right. seventeen years ago, yeah. when he was like a baby ranger. What we were baby. both baby. I was a staff sergeant. He was a staff sergeant at Ranger Regiment, but babies, babies, God, like so fresh face. I, I I was talking to Greg yesterday. Or Casey Hildreth, my training guy. And um, I was a sergeant major 12 years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, what the f... Dude, we are getting so fucking old. You know, you look good, though. You look handsome. You look handsome, too. You know, the important thing is it's not how you look on the outside. It's how you feel on the inside. And and you, you look great on the outside. Oh, I, I, I have felt the, uh, I, I've definitely felt my age a little bit this year for sure. Like for sure. It's, uh, like sleep is an issue. Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, you have to know this, right? It's like, as you get older, I think every Mm. guy, regardless of professional backgrounds, like sleep just gets a little bit harder every year and you have to really concentrate on it. So I've, I've been really trying to focus on how I can get better sleep, how, how I can get like seven and a half, eight hours of You ain't night. doing CBD, CBN stuff? Yeah, stuff just doesn't work, man. Like, is it, is it, has it tapped you out? You just, you got so much going on? No, I mean, I like I have a whole thing. I have like a whole cocktail, right? It's like wolf, like <laughs> bourbon. No, <laughs> I haven't had a drink in probably, well, I shouldn't say that. I've had like five drinks in like a year. Same, I don't drink, I, don't, I haven't drink a lot. It just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Maybe. It actually deteriorates the quality of life i don't like it and i think like the what is it the wolf 21 yeah yeah so like i'll do that magnesium melatonin like i'll do this like whole cocktail thing magnesium is baller yeah that that helps me a little bit and then i'll try so you know like like last night the girls and i were up playing super mario kart to like you know, eight thirty at night, right? So yeah. it's like I try to disconnect from technology, but it's kind of hard not to like. Yeah, it, have fun with girls. Want to play? Yeah, I want to play video games. Like, yeah, that's okay. I, I'm down with that. Yeah, like play some video games, and then you know I tuck them in and roll out and get up at you know. Is it you can't turn off your brain? Because I know we're used to, dude. I mean, when I was when I was contracting, I was working out like three hours a day. Yeah, it was like. And when I hit the when I hit the bed, I was out because I was exhausted. When Greg Lappin and Greg Anderson beat my ass on the mats, did you go to sleep? I slept really good. Right. I mean, besides like moving a little bit and my body hurting in pain mm-hmm. from from them pummeling me to death. Right. But I, it felt good because I was like, I felt like I earned it. 
Yeah. You know, and those those long, like we did the mobility experience and we're grinding, we're teaching, we're doing all this stuff. I love that because it, it, my brain can't think because I'm so, my body's so exhausted. Mm -hmm. But on those days where I just, I'm not really active and I'm not grinding and I just like, oh, it was just a normal day. My head will not stop thinking about shit. Mm-hmm. And I'll wake up at two in the morning going, oh, that's what that was. And then it's game over. I have no options to get back to sleep. Yeah, I've gotten better at it. Like I have the whole routine where it's Wolf 21, magnesium, melatonin. You know, I'll, I won't drink a ton of water. It's not because I have like, you know, I'm not getting up in the middle of the night or something like that. I just like, I'll just drink enough water where I'm hydrated through the evening. And and then I have an audio book that mm. I play audiobooks every night. Because, to put yourself to bed? Yeah, because that's how I turn that's how I turn off my brain and turn it on into into dream mode. So that's how yeah. I switch from thinking about what we're doing from business into how do I switch it into dream mode. The other thing is is what I found is at two or three or four o'clock in the morning, if I woke up, I would start thinking about business instantly. Yeah, same. And then I would, it, it, it would it would automatically turn me into the, like switch the on mode on. Mm-hmm. And so now I can just switch back into dream mode. And I have to have these unsubstantive books that are just purely fictional where it allows you to, to think about something that's really just it's just dream state mm. and that's that's helped me a lot i mean i've been doing that for like two three years now two probably two years mm. easily so you smoke through audiobooks but by the way like you know 20 30 minutes in because if you're concentrating on the book and you're not concentrating on you know thinking about something else your business your family you whatever that might be it does allow you to plug into that and 20, 30 minutes goes by, you're asleep. So the next evening you find where you kind of went to sleep Faded. and you started again. So yeah. it's like you get 20, 30 minutes of an audiobook every night. It takes you, if you have a 12, you know, 13 hour audiobook, that'll last you a month. Mm-hmm. Right. One audiobook takes you a month to get through. So I use Louis Lamore books a lot mm-hmm. as that. That's my what is it? Louis Lamore. Oh yeah. You yeah, got me into like, that. I yeah. got all the paperbacks. Yeah, bro. Does so the audiobooks do justice? Is it a good voice? Is it a yeah? It depends on the voice too. So, I used to do a lot of uh, history. So, you know, I went through all the founding Carl. fathers, Washington, everybody. Like, like I've gone through so many books. Where now, it, if it's fiction, it's you know, it's western. It's not too exciting, right? It's like there's a lot of story building, character development, yeah. things like that, and it's just. It allows you to really just immerse yourself into that. You're entertained, and then you go to sleep. And then if you wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, you tune back into your audio book and go right back to sleep. Yeah, I can't do um, Jack Carr's books because listening to those audio books before bed gives me PTSD. It's like... You can't. It's so real. Yeah. And I'm like, his wind call when he shot that dude through the windshield was likely not right, not accurate. Like, I, I, I... microanalyze all the details because it's so freaking detailed yeah and it's like even watching that damn um what is it on prime amazon uh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the terminal list terminal list and uh and he got season two which is cool but season one was like 
like when he's in the kitchen there's a scene like he's in the kitchen and he kind of has a flashback i can't remember it was like a there's like a nuanced moment where he's in the kitchen the wife says something and he has kind of like a moment and he mm -hmm. has a flash and i'm like oh my god dude like i've had that happen you know like even today i have that happen right like and it's not like traumatic stuff it's just like oh like that just elicited a memory where i remember doing something specific downrange and that i don't know where the hell that's been hiding for forever um, I, I had that happen last night about what I, I don't know what it was. I don't know what what triggered the memory, but I was thinking about the Philippines. Yeah, and I, and I remember at a very specific point in time where we had went on this really long run in the Philippines and um, like out on this, you because it's not like full jungle, but it's 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 got a lot of you triple know, canopy. Yeah, for sure. And so we were on this kind of clay muddy road and then we ran down to this river and then ran ran our way back and for whatever reason something triggered that exact moment when i was on this this river was in the it Philippines. a smell or was it something that happened in the dude i don't know what it was but it was like instantly put me right back into that into that spot and and i remembered in acute detail like that exact moment whatever that was like the mm -hmm. hooch the that we were staying in and then like oh you know what it was it was um it was the short stories by louis lamore and uh and uh he was talking about beijing or or one of those mm -hmm. countries and then and then they were talking about something going on there where it like triggered some memory and it was like right back there but you know what what else does it is like cardamom from coffee mm. when they because the arabic coffee that they're blending in with sugar yeah. and things yeah, like yeah. that i always think about the same place all the time when i smoke when i cardamom. smell that yeah same like it, a whole bunch of memories like i got i think i have so four and a half years of combat um based on the hash marks on my uniform badass but but when you i never think about this but when when people ask me about stuff like trips or like specific moments and missions i only know a handful that i've talked about yeah but you think about all of the rotations and all the experiences even like the like it, as you just said that when you're talking about running i was i just flashed a, a moment where i had taken a, a chief of base on a run and he liked to trail run mm -hmm. and so i was like and and at the time i liked to trail run and i was like yeah hey, i'll run with you chief like sure if you want if you want me to go somewhere with you i'll run with you and so I did a lot of running in that country, that particular country, with him in like some shady ass places, like in the yeah. middle of the mountains, right. in the middle of nowhere. And those experiences do something to you. And the sum of those experiences do something to you in beneficial ways. But also it's like collectively, like there's a lot. I spent five years overseas in like the Middle East. Yeah. And so like hearing uh, the call to prayer, mm. I mean, we listen to that every damn morning at four in the morning or whatever the first call is, um, and it's a good thing. I mean, that, that's a worldly perspective that gives us that kind of, I think, gives us a tactical advantage in a lot of things, mm -hmm. not just tactics, but life. I think. Yeah, I, I, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about uh, Senegal the other day, where like there was some call to prayer thing on TV, and I was like, oh, that reminds me of Senegal for whatever reason. Mm. And uh, I was in Chaz senegal two decades ago or whenever it was and 
Beautiful place. Where's Senegal at? West Africa. West. Yeah. So it's over. Is it on the the bottom? On the west. On the west side. Like Cote d'Ivoire. Is it every coast? Martinia. Martinia is just north, and then Senegal. So it's okay. kind of like over there. Yeah. And um, but it was beautiful country. I heard it's and beautiful. Where we stayed, we stayed at this this uh, it's like a French hotel slash fresh French restaurant. And literally the only thing there was for us to eat was, like, fresh-baked, amazing bread and, like, butter every, every day. Crush like it. it. was just, like, just, like, baskets. Like, it, was like, it was, like, living in a fucking olive garden or something. Hell, like, yeah. Just, like, crushing bread all day. Hell, yeah. And, uh, like, I remember uh, we were, it was, like, peanuts. Just, like, they had tons of peanuts yeah, and the little tons dish. of bread. Yeah. So it was, like... You just crush peanuts and bread all day long. Big fat Americans like, just like starving. Like, yeah. <laughs> like this is like the worst bread. This is like the worst diet ever. Like bread, butter, and peanuts. Hey, That's man. what we lived on. And uh and then you'd come home or in the evenings and they'd cook like these giant French meals and you're like, This is all right. Like and I think it was somebody was asking me, like, have I ever been somewhere where I'd take the kids? And I was like, Yeah, like, you know, Botswana, South Africa, Senegal. Um, you know, those are pretty good places. Kabul, you wouldn't take them to Kabul. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I'll, 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 I'll steer clear of Kabul and, and Baghdad for the next several decades, I think. Me and, and um, Greg Anderson were talking about uh, um, Barakout, oh, yeah. which is uh, northeast Afghanistan. And I was in a fire base up there on a rotation for nine months. And Barakout was... Osama bin Laden's stomping grounds. That's like he used to yeah. come through Chitral and then come through Kamdesh mm-hmm. and, and Barakat was right there. And it was so freaking beautiful, man. Like it, I have pictures with the backdrop and it looks like a, a Swedish village because they had hard lumber there. And so they oh, used yeah. all the structures and houses are made of beautiful wood, stone, and it could have it could be a Swedish village. It's so freaking beautiful, man. It's east of where the lone survivor stuff happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Marcus Luttrell, but just a beautiful part of the country. And I've always wanted, um, I've always thought, man, how cool it would it be to come back here and visit one day? But based on how remote it is, based on all the shenanigans going on with Afghanistan and Pakistan, that's a pipe dream. It just will never happen. It's too dangerous. Yeah, years ago, I wanted to go back and kayak uh, Pangir. Mm. So you've got the Panjir Valley with the the river, and uh, I was up there several years ago, and we were talking to some of the locals about some of the rapids. Mm. So I guess there, there there's like some – well, I know. There's some really hard corners where they would just smash Soviet tanks. Mm. And so they would, you know, shoot RPGs and smash them, you know, trap them into an ambush. And um, and then they would just shove all that shit into the river and wash and, them downstream. And then they would pile up, and then so where you have these big pile ups of, you know, Soviet tanks and yeah. you know, their uh, APCs and things like that, it creates a rapid. I was like, how fucking cool would that be? It'd be go like, over rapid, go over this tank. rapid that's a Russian tank. Oh, dude. And um, me and a couple other guys that were like decent whitewater guys were like we need to go over there and do that river this was before obviously the the fall of 
Afghanistan and after we kind of gave it back to the Taliban, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but the Panjiris, like any day of the week, I could go up there and be 100, 100% safe, I would imagine, because I don't think the Taliban has actually been able to take over Panjir Valley. I think that's I've heard one that. of the places. They have that, it locked down. I think they got it locked down. I mean, yeah. that's like Masood was from there, obviously, mm-hmm. and he was such an important and prominent figure. For those of you who don't know, he was also killed on September 10th. So he was killed the day before September 11th. He was yeah. part of the orchestrated um, attack on September 11th because he was so important or going to be so important to the Western involvement in Afghanistan. They knew that essentially this was what was going to take place. Um, and his grave's up there. So you can go up there and... Really? Yeah. It'd yeah, be yeah. cool to go We went up there, that, man. Yeah, I went doesn't, up there. Doesn't he have a son that would mm-hmm. play to... He's like the provincial kind of well, president or... Of yeah, Nigeria. I think he's, he's still the guy that's that's in charge up there. And Yeah. What a rock star, that dude. I love yeah. hearing the stories about him. AQ used a, a explosive in the camera. Yeah, in the that? camera. Yeah. yeah. I was with a guy yesterday no not yesterday friday i was i was in the office with uh jeff Wu was here with me mm-hmm. and another guy from the he he runs an expedition company for antarctica and his entire job was to help with the logistics of the triple seven and or seven seven six whatever you want to call it uh um, oh, no you're talking about he's the logs guy the logistics oh guy. he they they plan everything and he was talking to me about his, his he was just telling me about his life where he's been down to the bottom of the ocean multiple times around the world so he's been he he was kind of a weird flex which is actually the premise of the story cuz he was talking about how a lot of people have been to the fake north pole he's like yeah that's fake north pole i'm like what are you talking about he's like yeah well when you when you go up and you're on top of the ice you're not really on the north pole because you're floating on the ocean. Yeah. So you're not really on the North Pole. There's an actual but he's like, spot on the I've ground. I've been to the North Pole on the ground in the bottom of the ocean in a submarine. I was like, oh, that's oh. that's a super cool flex. That is a cool yeah. flex. And uh, he was telling me that he, he climbed Everest on a lark. He was just like, yeah, I, one of my buddies called me. I was like, hey, do you want to go climb Everest? And he was like, sure, I guess. Sounds cool. So he's like smoking cigarettes and drinking in some lobby and was like, when do you want to go? He's like, next week. And they went in from the Tibetan side and he really? was like, yeah, he was, he was telling me he was out with all these like uh, ultra runners and all these hardcore endurance athletes. And he's like a chain, chain smoking, like hard drinker and just crushed them all. So he just got to the top, which I thought was fascinating. He summited. Yeah, he summited. Oh, and God. That's so he's the like been to the bottom of the well. ocean in the North Pole. He's actually been to the North Pole on top of the ice. He's been on top of Everest. He's you know, he he lives in Antarctica. Oh, he was camped he, in he, Antarctica. Yeah, he lives in Australia, but he's a real adventurer. And what he, about the endurance? Did they take part in any of that? Because I know. Yeah, yeah. He so he was telling me all about that. He thought it was. Uh, he was telling me because he was. W- was part of the team that went out and rebuilt some of the ships that have submarine capability. And a lot of these guys, like these billionaires, so it's interesting what billionaires do when they get to a certain point, I guess they either go to space or they go to the bottom of the ocean. So it's Mm. like 
Larry Ellison and uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Avatar. Ray Dalio. Yeah, Cameron. Cam- James Cameron. James Cameron. Yeah. All these guys are like they're ocean explorers now. Yeah. And so it's like it's interesting because Bezos and Musk go to space, and then some of these other guys go to the bottom of the ocean. Mm. And I guess once you have like that much that much money, you're just what what do we need to do mm. that's interesting and I, it doesn't matter how much we spend. Because he was telling me one of the boats that he was on was a civilian-owned boat, mm-hmm. 500 million bucks. 500 million dollar What kind of boat, boat costs 500 million dollars? I don't know. Like, it's insane. But it's got like submarines and helicopter landing pads. Like it's a fucking... Explorer boat. Dude. It's like a billionaire's copy. Yeah, like... Like that's crazy. That's badass. When you think I think about- I would do the Shackleton. I would document. I would go out of my way to do every single detail of every aspect of that. You would do the like the little the 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 little lifeboat, and you would do the whole. I do it all. Sexton, dude, like, the whole thing. The whole thing. We do Elephant Island. We climb yeah. up with five dudes. Just do that yeah. whole route because the route's not that bad. Off off. I mean, it's it. It was difficult for them, but wouldn't be difficult for you. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I just I would knock that out in a couple of days. <laughs> um, but how cool is it that they found the endurance? Yeah, it's that video of that endurance. Like, it's like immaculate because there's no bacteria Mm-mm. down at that depth. That Ernest Shackleton uh, boat. It's so badass, man. Well, and he's he, th- so this guy's also been on the Titanic. So he's dove that Titanic really times. Yeah, he's been on the Titanic. Because he, he, this is what he does. He he arranges these trips for people to go on for wealthy people. Yeah. So the the guys that did the triple seven, they met. The part of this is like uh, Antarctic expeditions. Eight. Mm-hmm. They're based out of Murray. So the guy that owns it came up here and spent a couple hours. Murray, in the Utah. Yeah. Really? They're, they're based out of Murray, Utah, and that's crazy. So. Logan and Jericho and Andy and all those guys met met him down there because he helped design the trip for him uh, just in Antarctica. And but that's his job is to go out and help people design these essentially these impossible trips. What and take a submarine job. down to fucking Titanic? And it's like how many times has he done that? He's like I don't know, like dozen, half dozen times. And he'll they'll go down and spend like five six hours exploring the Titanic. In a submarine. Like, how wild is that? You think he's got a whole bunch of woke losers doing YouTube videos about him talking shit? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got this on like we got on the the uh the flat earther guys like for a minute out here because like, yeah. we were talking about um Antarctica and we were talking about like how people think there's like an alien base on you know below the ice or whatever mm-hmm. in Antarctica. And he's he was telling me that he's seen screen grabs of their they have a track out there so they have like a, a I think it would you say is like a 6k track mm-hmm. that's in a perfect circle because they they designed it that way it's yeah. just a circle where they yeah. can like go out and ride snow bikes or yeah. some of the guys go down there and do marathons or whatever it's a safe area because yeah. if you go off of it you'll be in yeah he was telling me that he's seen YouTube video screen grabs of how this is proof that there's an alien base beneath the ice in Antarctica because of his track it's the that he track built. they made. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, and we were I laughing. I believe it, man. We were laughing about it because it was like, 
Yeah, that's that's my track. That's just where we ride snow bikes. That's I all it is. I believe it, dude. And uh, it just shows you like how how crazy there is just how crazy some people are. They have access to a camera. Well, I mean, you and I have access to cameras, so I mm-hmm. guess you know. You know who's not tweeting? Africans. You know they're busy living. They're busy, you know, surviving, surviving. Man, it doesn't. But when you think about the total population, even on a, on a social platform, just engaged on a social platform, there's there's not an overwhelming percentage of people that are that are even like contextually involved within the platform at all points in time. When I went out and I I spent like a day with Tucker, he doesn't even get on social media. He doesn't get on social media. He has other people. So he's removed from it. He just does his monologue and he doesn't get involved in the, in the bullshit, which I think was pretty interesting. You know, even like the top guys in the field, they're, they're not going in there and reading the the comment section. The comment section is just like, of course, quagmire of misery. Right. Yeah. I think uh, Dee Dee told me best. She's like, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not a Tony Robbins guy. You are. Uh, yeah. I'm, you're, you're don't like compare me to Tony Robbins. He's amazing. The Korean Tony Robbins. Basically, <laughs> that's who you are. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Now there's going to be memes. <laughs> um, so he, he, she's like, do you think Tony Robbins checks his comments? And I'm like, no, probably not. And like, yeah, because he's too busy interacting with people in person. Like, It's true. Like, I don't – I feel bad because – most people that are in my circle um, are doing high level shit like you, and you don't get out. You don't get to get out as much go. as you want to. Yeah, I don't get out. And so when when me and Andy are like in front of three hundred fucking people, I'm like, this is what it's all about. Like when I spend three hours taking pictures with people and like shaking hands and like, it's like, dude, how long have you been waiting in line? A couple hours, and you're just literally waiting in line, shaking my hand. Like, thank you so much, man. That means a fucking lot to me. Like that that whole thing where we're out and we're just doing this thing, it's like that drives and keep, gives you energy. That's what it's about. It's not about, I don't live for DMs and comments and interactions online. I live for interpersonal relationships that we build in person, like in the coffee shop. It's yeah. Like, how cool is that? You know, it's, that's, that's what this whole experience is about. What's your, what's your favorite subject to teach? Um, my favorite is based on the most amount of impact that it makes. I, I th- well, there's two of those. One, my favorite technical course to teach is uh, mobility mm-hmm. because it's different. Mm-hmm. Like I just like people like to go go and associate me with two A and guns and all that stuff. I just don't give a fuck about it. Like the Second Amendment, I give a fuck about, but gun shit. Like I cowboy action guns are more intriguing to me than AR-15s, right? Because I have a shit ton of AR-15s, but I would so much rather know the history and the and all the shit behind a a Colt single action army that's more interesting. Mobility and overlanding and outdoors in my family is more interesting to mm. me. Like running and gunning on a flat range is not interesting. I teach it, but it's just it's not that interesting. My one of my favorite courses is decision point, which is teaching people like how it really works, like how the decision to use deadly force is not just um, a legal, a piece of legal jargon that you got at your concealed carry course. 
It's an actual thing that you have to make that will change your life forever, that decision. And so it's a whole curriculum built around it. Kirsten, um, Amber, my company teaches it, but it's like, dude, it's so impactful to see people go, holy shit. I, I thought shooting paper and steel was like how it works. Mm. And then you put me in this scenario where I got stressed out and I'm shaking and now I know how it really works, you know, the, to sum it up, to, to sum up a, a pretty long experience. What's your, what's the thing that's exciting you most about what you want to learn about to teach? Um, combatives in jujitsu. Yeah. Because I've been a jujitsu guy, a Brazilian jujitsu guy on and off my whole life. Um, I've, I've taught all army combatives teams when I was in 10th group. Um, I was the combatives instructor for my team. When I was a team sergeant, I used to do that a lot with my Lions. guys. That's what you used to teach. <laughs> <laughs> Grab twist pool. Yeah. I was a lines instructor. Fuck yeah, you were. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I've been injured for so long, and now I'm finally healing up that, I mean, yesterday those two black belts had beat my ass. I wanted it. It felt good to get pummeled by those dudes because – I miss that feeling of like camaraderie and 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 learning something, and I want to be a like I'm a white belt for life, man. I want to be a student, and you and me are similar. And and you know, I mean, you, you're managing a, a billion dollar company. I'm managing like a very small company in comparison, but our paths in that journey are similar. Where we're at the top of the food chain, and I kind of want to just start at. I want to go back to the bottom and just mm -hmm. be a student again. And jujitsu is doing that for me, man. I, li I like being the white belt. You know? Yeah, I could see that. I like pummeling other white belts as well. It feels good every once in a while, which I which I'll do. But I'll get my ass beat as well. All right, do you want to compete? No, fuck no. Oh. No, you know, you know my my deeply seated ambition in this is to become a purple, brown, and black belt. Just speaking incompetency. To be able to teach my kids, mm. I don't want I, like I want my kids to learn from other people, but I want them to look at dad and go, "Well, dad knows this, and dad's teaching us this," because I think jujitsu for children is very important, mm. and it builds a base. Martial arts, period, yeah. sports, period, are important, but I want my kids to do judo and jujitsu, uh, judo because I I grew up in kind of that world. Um, and jiu -jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu because it's so fundamentally important for teaching life lessons on the mat for kids. What do you think is the most important skill to teach your kids? Um, resilience through inter interactions. Mm -hmm. Like I was just at Kidstopia, which is like a little playground yeah. park. Yeah, yeah. And I see all these fucking parents sitting on their phones and – you know, some of them are working. I get that. They're like working families. But most of them are on social media. And their kids are like running around and like interacting. And there's a whole bunch of life lessons there. Like my, my daughter today, she wanted to climb up this little rung and fall into a pit. But she was scared. And she's like, and she looked for her daddy to help her because she's like, daddy, I'm scared. She goes, I'm scared. I'm like, be brave. You know, I always say, be brave. And she looked at me and she goes, okay, be brave. And she climbed up a little bit and I said, you could do it. And she jumps off into the pit 
And she was so proud. She's like, Daddy, I did it. And she ran up to me. And those little interactions, um, which are hard to capture if you're in your fucking phone, mm-hmm. happen all the time with children. And so for me, um, being available and conscious for my kids and seeing those interactions, I, I want my kids to build resilience in those like those little moments. Um, and I think it helps, you know, like my dad was there for me like that, you know, fishing, you know, going, doing sports. He was always there doing that kind of support for me and it costs money, you know, just being available and being there and not being in your fucking Twitter. Yeah. Do you think you have, um, what what do you think of the obstacles that prevent you from, from being a better dad? That all the obstacles are within my control. Yeah. I mean, I want to say. I want to like, I want to say work. I want to say my my profession. Uh, being an entrepreneur and being a dad at the same time, like being good at both of those, mm-hmm. is very difficult to strike a balance. And in, anybody who says different is likely not an entrepreneur, um, because when you're an entrepreneur, the reason you're successful is because you're committed all your time essentially. And now that I'm in a comfortable position in my role and kind of have built this thing where I'm not doing it all, you know, like you used to ship, you used to market, you used to answer emails, you used to be customer service. You were everything. When you build a good team around you, they handle some of those. And instead of allocating my time into more of that profession, which I, I, I have done, I'm now allocating a lot of that time back into my family. And so um, I have 50% custody of my kids. So I've already lost half their lives. Right. So now it's, just me spending time with them and the profession often gets in the way, but we make it work. I mean, my kids are, as we do this podcast are in the next room right. with my team. And, um, I don't know. I don't think there's any excuses any, anymore. What about you? Same question. The obstacles. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, time, obviously that's like, you know, that that's one factor. You know, but if you think about it from quality time, what does quality time actually mean? What does it constitute? Because there's just time that you commit, but if you're not plugged in, you're not present in the in what your kids are doing, yeah. it doesn't fucking matter. You might as well actually not be there. I think it's actually, it's, it's contradicting mm. the time that you're involved with yeah. your kids. You know, I'm not the, the greatest at differentiating between business and family at times like i've had a hard time i think you know really providing some firewalls around that um yeah i try it's something i'll I'll, you know i'm I'm forever a white belt dad right it's like i'm just gonna learn forever on it on that you know it's you know my commitment to them is you know i'll love and encourage them for the rest of their lives i was just at a chess tournament with my daughter uh last weekend and uh just being there just mm. you know supporting her and she doesn't take it all that serious which is fine like i'm i'm and when i say it's fine it's almost like you you want her to just get in and like grind you know you want them just like mm. what, what what my personal <laughs> feelings are is like i want her to be like i want to i want you to dedicate like hours of your life every day to like you know, owning being a master. Yeah. And, but I have to like pull myself out of that and just go, you know, this is more about 
her being encouraged, her having fun, her being involved in this. That's that's what it's about. It's not about me. It's about her. And yeah. uh, you you do have to continue to learn and then be as objective as possible and understand like these are the goals that I've associated with, you know, being a father, being a you know husband, whatever that might be. And it was a full family affair. Like we took everybody. That's awesome. You know, just like cheer on and how how old is she now? Nine. Yeah. And she's doing chess tournaments. That's cool. This is her third or fourth one, I think. Yeah, yeah. this is her fourth one. Who got her into chess? Uh, was it you? My wife and I are both into chess. Oh, cool. Yeah. Same. So, you know, my wife's gotten way more into it the last year because I think she she wants to play with the kids a lot more, you know, and, and develop her skill set around it. Um, I've just kind of – I was way into it, I think, a few years ago. Um, well – Several years ago, I got into it and I really liked it, and it was really challenging. And I was super committed, and I was always online playing. And I like online chess. It's yeah, fun. so do I. It's super fun. It's super fun. But I kind of get bored with it too. Mm-hmm. Where I'll play and I'll, I'll go. Okay, that's cool. I I don't I I don't really feel like I want to, you know, unpack and read a bunch of strategy and techniques and tactics around it. Um, it's just not anything that I'm I'm really into. I'm way more into um, teaching the kids like algebra and calculus and physics, like very math-heavy specific subjects. I really like those subjects. And if I'm going to spend my time, like, you know, time and energy from an intellectual perspective and development of a of more academically driven skill, it's, it's always around math. Um, it's always math. <laughs> I feel like you're making fun of me right now. This is real. No, this is legit. Real. It's it's legit. You do algebra and stuff with your kids and mm-hmm. calculus. Oh yeah. Are yeah, you I, just? Have you always been a math guy? Uh, are you a numbers guy or are yeah, you a math guy? I'm a math guy. Like I, I I really enjoy it. I actually it was it was 20 years ago or whenever it was when Sudoku became a thing. Yeah. And I was doing a bunch of Sudoku. That was like a thing that I used to do quite a bit. And I realized it's like, why am I doing all this fucking Sudoku? Like, why don't I just do like algebra you just do equations yeah you can pull up like there's tons of different apps i think i probably have like 10 different apps on my phone that are just math apps math apps who are you and who are you <laughs> and are you fucking with me right no, now? no i'm dead serious oh man God. it's like I, really I, yeah because it's like it's a secret obsession of yours is math oh i love it i it's there's honestly there's very few things that are as fulfilling as going through a really hard equation. And Are you it fucking with? No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> really? There's nothing more satisfying. You have than, an app on your phone right I now. I probably have ten of them that are math apps. Yes. Yeah. Do you have like, laundry apps on your phone? No. Okay. I don't. I this don't. is legit. Yeah, super legit. Huh. I there's there's nothing that I I think that that I that from a from a recreation like a game that's perspective. Your, that's your secret obsession is math. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can figure out a really complex equation in my head just by looking at it and doing it mm. in sequence in my head, and I do it in the sauna all the time. So I'll sit in the, my sauna at home and I'll just be flipping through. So I'll do things for speed. So I'll do mm-hmm. um, a lot of speed games, like math speed games, mm-hmm. and I'll do equations and I'll just sit there and I'll do them in my head because that's that's the game that I'm playing with myself. Yeah. Like. If I can do this right in sequence in my head without paper, 
Like those are the mm-hmm. rules. Like I've created these arbitrary rules. Well, it's good for TBI too. I mean, it, it keeps your brain healthy, right? I I mean, I think so. I don't know, but it's. I started it years ago, like years ago. I I remember specifically. I was on a flight. It's like Africa or someplace. I can't remember exactly where. And I had like seven hours to burn, and it was before we had a, you know, before I was in business, before I had any of this other shit that I had to do, and I was doing these fucking games all the time, like crossword puzzles and Sudoku and like, mm. and I'm like, this provides quite literally no value. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's. But it's good for you. It's, it's good. I mean. It's good for your cognition. I fucking suck at crossword or at, at, at crossword. I'm horrible at so it. So you're bad at words, but you're good at math. The numbers. Interesting. Do you, yeah. How does that benefit you in business? Because are you closely connected to the CFO? Or are you mm-hmm. into the finances and into the numbers? Oh, of course, and to the yeah, yeah. So that's so that I, was, yeah. I can, I can do I can do most of this in my head. Like if I if I'm projecting out models and things like that, yeah. like I can, I can project most of this stuff out in my head. I could do. I, it's I, really. I'm fucking the opposite complex. of that. I'm not. So my, the biggest mistake I had in business is not paying attention to the numbers mm-hmm. in the beginning, and then focused on like marketing or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. But. I'm the opposite. Like I'm very good at words, like languages. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I, I learned Spanish. I tested a, a one, two, a one plus two, in Spanish in like two weeks. Like for nineteenth uh, group, they had they're like, if you want to deploy, yeah. you got to be a, a one one. I'm like, in Spanish. I'm like, my language is French. I could learn this and just mm-hmm. did it. But if it was numbers, complete opposite. Now I'm into the numbers, and I, f- I've discovered that I like it. Uh, I don't like, I don't do equations, but I like the numbers. Like, mm-hmm. And what I've found unique, maybe it's the Green Beret thing, but because we have a process for planning sequence, mm-hmm. we're really good at projecting. You apply the numbers, I apply the, the words, the marketing strategy, whatever it is. But I think that's a huge advantage to be able to project and think ahead, like, a, like playing life chess, right? A, a couple yeah. steps ahead and seeing the end goal or objective. It's just unique. It's weird. It's like weird how um, uh, some guys' brains work. Yeah, it, it, physics, and for me, like like physics is life. Yeah. Right? Like it, it is. I love physics. Like quite I'm literally. getting into it now. So like my, my entire, you know, I guess academic goals for the kids are really being able to mentor and teach them, provide substantive input when they need it, when it comes to math in any way, shape or form, and then being able to take the numbers and then drive them into their life Yeah, where I think that's a, a very specific skill. I think that I, I don't think that Americans focus on it. They don't at all. And I think that that's... That's why the world's beaten us at uh, many things. Many things. And uh, it, it physics, to me, when you get into, like, theoretical physics, and I'm not very good at it at all. Like, I, I enjoy it. I think it's really interesting. So when you start to think about, you know, the, um, like, like, Einstein's theories, if you're, like, really get into it and you go back and you think about how Einstein was developing... The, his thought process, and obviously he's just one theoretical physicist out of multiple, but he's the one that's, I think, most identifiable um, in how he was thinking about life just in general and then light, just 
light and then being able to apply numbers specifically to light. Uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And for me to be able to have and speak that language to my kids and be able to go, you know, we, we do these, like, we'll do like bake sales and stuff for the kids where they're like, they work through the numbers on how much sugar and flour and how much cogs are, you know, cost of goods sold. So it's like, we'll take them to the grocery store. They've got to buy their things. They've got to resell it at a markup. So they're, they're running a profit and loss statement. Um, whereas like, you know, percentage goes back to the house, which is me. If I bring them into the office, then they can't gouge everybody because I'm the boss. Right. But, uh, those things I think are, are, are really important. I can like bring those to the kids a little bit more. Um, you know, I teach them how to shoot. Obviously I think that's, that's fun. Like outdoor survival stuff. Cause that's fun. Like anything that's like fun that I can get into, or I'm like, this is really fun. The kids are going to love it and I can provide enough passion. So it's not just, it's not work. Yeah. It's, it's not work. It becomes a game where, they're fired up about it. I'm fired up about it. It's all game. That's where I, I like to thrive. Mm. I think that's where I like to thrive. You ever see Mark Rober? Mm -mm. He's the Utah-based guy who does. He does the glitter bomb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's against like those uh, scammers in India. Yeah, yeah. He sends it out in the mail, yeah. or he does the package thing where people reject the package. Yeah, and the and they get sprayed in the face with the the stink bomb. Um. He has a company where they send out these uh, projects, physics projects, mm -hmm. and you know it, it it varies, but you could do all kinds of different um, projects in house. I, I want to get my kids into that because I know your kids do projects, which I think is cool. yeah. We like, we have a physics box. Yeah, what's yeah. It, what's what's the one you use? <sighs> I can't remember what it's called. It's a physics box. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's a, it's a subscription based thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get my kids into that. Yeah, I yeah. love those things, man. Yeah, it's like, so cool, man. Every time you have a little project that you can plug in and teach yeah. them about, what was it last month or the month before? It was like uh, how hydraulic pumps work. Yeah, so it was like putting all the things together and then yeah. you know adding water to it. And I th I think that stuff's fascinating. I think it it's is like useful for kids too because they start to understand. You know, this is pressure. This is gravity. You know, mm -hmm. this is this is this, this is that, whatever it is. Like we've got, you know, big garden, we've got, you know, physics boxes. And, I mean, standard kind of like nerd parent stuff. Nerd parent shit, you know. We're like, doing, I'm finally doing that with Philcraft, the the boxes. Finally. Well, Gotta I'm doing, well, it's, it's based off the foundation for us was the content stream. So we're doing the application that launches the same day as my book, That's which is June 6th. So we already, prepaid the for the app no, no we already bought the app development and right. it's being developed right now we're onboarding the content and then the next component is you buy the thing you take the content so it's like here's a um um bushcraft survival yeah thing you know especially fire starting like a friction fire mm -hmm. um or a bow drill fire you you do the bow drill you get the bow drill you do the thing in front of the content but it's it's gonna be exciting man I'm looking oh, forward man. to that yeah. I can't wait it's me be the first purchaser yeah I'll, be I'll your, throw you a coupon be your customer too yeah I'll be, You'll be number one I'll be number two I'm I'm down yeah, uh, yeah. 1999 I think that's 1999 the, I think that's the mark man I think you gotta go I think you gotta level it up man. well a lot of people were like go hard mm -hmm. and I'm like but what is I mean I hate comparing myself to Netflix but 
ours is educational, mm-hmm. but it also has an, an inspiration kind of segment where it's about like getting inspired to go look at cool content because right. it's all TV. It's on the app and TV. Uh, Apple, uh, what a Hulu, yeah, yeah. Samsung TV. Yeah. So it seems about right. Uh, 1999. It doesn't yeah. include products. You could buy the products as a part. Oh, of the gotcha. Okay, I like that. So you can you can if you want to do like here's a tourniquet. Open your tourniquet. You could buy the tourniquet separately, and then the content baseline is 1999. Right. A month. I think it's okay. Well, it's good having you in, Mike. Appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. See you, buddy. Kiss your face. Bye. Bye. Get ready for a battle, cause you know Grab a can of Black Rifle Coffees ready to drink for the perfect balance of quality and convenience. If you want a Spartan-level caffeine kick, try Ready to Drink 300. Available in salted caramel, vanilla bomb, and more. Made with an electrifying blend of MCT oil and amino acids, Ready to Drink 300 packs a caffeine punch that will supercharge your day. Ready to Drink is perfect if you need your coffee quick, and when you shop with Black Rifle Coffee, you will help give back to veterans and first responders who serve our nation. You can stock up on cans at blackriflecoffee.com or grab an ice-cold can at a grocery or convenience store near you. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Jump titties, boy!